1: Hey guys, welcome to Capturing Christianity. I am Cameron Bertuzzi and I am here today with Dr. Cy Gart. Welcome to the show. You, I mean, you've been on the channel before. but I have, yeah. yeah so here you're today with us in person and I'm right. so excited to meet you. Wish I could see your wife, but I'm sure that she's here. <laughs> she's here in spirit,
0: isn't she? I miss her too. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, so today we're talking about your journey from atheism all the way to Christianity. Right. And there's a whole lot that's happened in between you know, back when you were an atheist and now that you're a Christian, we'll talk about all the steps that kind of led there, some of the science, that, because you, your background is in, what is it, micro, not biochemistry. micro, biochemistry. And so, you're, you're, yeah, your background as a scientist, but that's actually what led you to em- embrace God's existence and then eventually to, to become a Christian. Right. So how, let's start at the, the very beginning. Tell me about your upbringing. I know we've talked about this on the channel before, but let's uh, kind of go through it a little bit more in, uh, in some more detail.
0: Sure. Well, yeah, I won't go into too much because as you said, we, we have covered it and it's, uh, it's in my book. So, you know, people can find it. Uh, but I, I grew up in a, in a basically, uh, in a family, three generations of atheists. Uh, they were not only atheists, they were very left wing. My parents were members of the American communist party in the 1930s, which is rare. <laughs> and so, uh, their atheism was very strong, very militant, uh, and that's what I grew up with. I I uh assumed that there was could not be any such thing as God or not possible for there to be a God. Totally materialistic. My father was a chemist, scientist, so you know I that was the worldview I grew up in. Uh and and, and also the same worldview I had when I went to college, uh where I started studying chemistry. <laughs> chip off the old block, and um, you know, when you're a chemistry major, you also have to learn some physics, so I was learning things about quantum mechanics, and things in physics that seemed a little strange to me, but I didn't really worry about it too much, and then eventually I decided I really wanted to study life, and rather than be a biologist, I wanted to study the chemistry of life, so Mm -hmm. I went into biochemistry, where I got my PhD. Uh, And what happened was that even, even in college, as, as a young man, I began to feel there was something missing in my life, uh, so, and I, I later realized it was some sense of spirituality, which I think is very important for all people. But I found that, whatever that you want to call that, in science at first. I, I was thinking, well, you know, the science is great because it gives you a real sense of purpose, a real sense of uh, doing something good in the world, and, and it's true, you know, so mm-hmm. it's great. But there was one catch, which was that what I was learning in science didn't jive with the materialistic worldview. And I I couldn't have said it that way. I just just felt it. For example, uh, in graduate school, I learned about the process by which proteins are made in cells. And that's a very complex process that involves a tremendous amount of... uh, Biomolecules interacting with each other, and the complexity is just in- incredible. And I remember feeling like a chill going down my spine. I, it was like, "This is amazing. <laughs> Where did? How did this get here?" And it was something that I couldn't answer. Uh, later, of course, like most biologists, I just came up with the answer, which is evolution. Evolution mm-hmm. does everything. <clears throat> But when I, at that time, I kind of left things as it was and as, as they were, and I just uh, started wondering about really whether science was really the only way to find any truth. And I don't, I, I pretty soon I rejected that, as many people have. I was not yet ready to believe in God, and that took a lot of other steps. It required, um, it required me to kind of break down my resistance to the idea, which was which I was born with. And it's, it's kind of hard to, you know, reject all of that. But eventually I did. And then...
1: Uh, were there any external yeah. factors that were helping to
0: open you up yes, to God? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I was brought to a church by a friend. And, and this was, was still when you were an atheist? Oh, yeah. And I was... Well, maybe by then I was a little agnostic. Okay. You know, I wasn't really sure... So you uh, but, got
1: to the point of agnostic yeah, all on your own.
0: Th- that was all on my own, and that was due to the science I was learning. Uh-huh. Because the science I was learning did not support a strict atheism. It did not s- support strict materialism. Okay. And, and that comes from quantum theory, and it comes from you know the observer effect and all sorts of things in physics, but it also came from what I was learning in biochemistry and about how life works. Right. It just seemed that saying evolution explains everything in life was too glib. You know, it was too easy. It it didn't seem to me to be enough. That's
1: interesting because I've heard a lot of scientists, even like Peter Atkins, will say that God is like a lazy explanation. And you're saying that evolution is kind of like a lazy explanation. Well,
0: uh, you know, at that time I would have said God was a lazy explanation too. I had no idea what the explanation was. I didn't really know what God was. (laughs) I didn't (laughs) understand very much about God. But, yeah, uh, I think I think evolution can explain a lot. Mm-hmm. But there are some key things that it cannot explain, and that includes the origin of life. And that's not my view. That's a very... Darwin said the same thing. Richard Dawkins has said the same thing. Yeah. The, the process of evolution that we call Darwinian evolution or biological evolution um, doesn't deal with the origin of life at all. So... And I'm, I'll get into that a little more, I think. Uh, but the external factors that helped me were, as I said, the, going to a church for mm-hmm. the first time and seeing something that I com- absolutely didn't expect. I thought that when you walked into a church, the first thing that would happen is the priest or the pastor would start yelling at you, you know, telling you that you're sinful and you know you're going to go to hell. And Where did
1: you get that in? impression from? Well,
0: that's the impression I got growing up, you know, that... Uh, from, from
1: who though? Who, who did... Well, may, I mean, maybe it was a different time, but... It was, was it, it was, was a it- different
0: time, but it was also... It was also... By the way, it's not over yet. I mean, there you'll still find mm-hmm. atheists talking about, you know, uh, the horrors of Christianity and how they... And how, you know, people are doing nothing but casting you into hell all the time and <laughs> lakes of fire and sin and... And I felt, you know, very nervous, and uh, it was. And your
1: experience was nothing like that.
0: No, it was a Catholic church uh, run by uh, Franciscans, and uh, the priest gave a sermon about love. Love, period. Not you know, love God, but just love Mm. each other. Love. And I thought, boy, this is very mild. (laughs) (laughs) You know, why you know. I think I've been lied to. (laughs) So at that point I looked into this a little more. Uh, I wasn't a theist yet, but I started looking at the Bible for the first time. Uh, The Old Testament left me a little cold. I couldn't really get into it, didn't understand it much. But I read the book of Matthew and I read the book of Acts. And I found those very moving. The book of Acts struck me as actual history i didn't have any i was sure that this was not something anyone made up it just didn't fit so that got me thinking and and then i you know i learned more and more and as i talk about in my book i'm not going to go into detail now i had several experiences including some dreams and an waking experience that i had to attribute to the holy spirit And at that point, I, after many years, by the way, I'm Mm -hmm. I'm compressing two decades (laughs) into this discussion. But at that point, I realized that Christianity is true, and Christ was real, and he lived and died and rose. And I became a Christian. Yeah,
1: I want to focus in on one part of your story, but I Mm -hmm. also want to make a kind of general comment Mm -hmm. about... So sometimes I see atheists say like, okay, now it's just like this one, that, that is the reason why he became a Christian and that usually they pinpoint some like bad thing that happened or, mm-hmm. you know, this, this, this is a bad reason to become a, a Christian. Or whatever. Right. But in, in your case, and I think in a lot of cases, probably the vast majority of cases that it's a multiplicity of different things yes, right. that all together, you know, exactly. built up and built up over many years. You said you're compressing in a story and t- you know, five minutes, something right. that happened to you over the course of 20 years. Right. And so obviously you're leaving things out and you can't actually get the sense of like all of these things building up and leading to this huge paradigm shift in your thinking and your mm-hmm. worldview. Yeah. But that that's just the point that I wanted to make is that there's a whole lot of things going on oh, yeah. in your story Yeah. and they all work together. Like it started out you know, from atheism to agnosticism right. based purely on the science mm-hmm. and then you had these other experiences and everything kind of played together. To lead you to christ so uh, that's one point i don't want to make and then the second point was to bring us back to uh, focus on one area that really got you considering leaving atheism right and i understand is, is it a bio-genesis? That's, a biogenesis that's one of the, or, the main things yeah. mm-hmm. so tell me more about that how did that looking into that really bring you more toward christianity toward theism
0: well You know, it's interesting because abiogenesis is a very active field of research, and people are looking at it uh, very intensely in various ways. I've done a little bit myself, but... uh, Have you published? Yes, I have one paper published and one that's just about to be approved, uh, both on the same subject, which which I'll get to in a second. But as I mentioned, abiogenesis nobody thinks that it has anything to do with you know standard evolution the the general idea among scientists anyway and and the atheist ideas who are not scientists are not worth discussing but the, the general scientific idea is that life began through what's called chemical evolution and chemical evolution is very different from biological evolution because there's no natural selection and there's no replication. Or, you see, there's it,
1: no mutations.
0: Yeah. It, it, what chemical, chemical evolution is when you take chemicals, you put them together, and they either react or they somehow are able to do things only on the basis of chemistry mm-hmm. without any mutation, without any replication, and without any natural selection. And that's pretty hard to do. Uh, Jim Tour, who's in this neighborhood, yep. uh, has often said uh, quite strongly and correctly that people who say that we're almost—we've solved so many problems in abiogenesis—we're almost there—are just wrong. <laughs> he says it a little more strongly than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I was but, listening
1: to something with him the other day, it but was, he, he's, he's correct. So, He's so he's, forceful.
0: Yeah, he's forceful, and, but he's right. And I know why he's, he, he gets frustrated sometimes, because he is a chemist, a very mm. good chemist. And he knows more than anyone that that's not how chemistry works. <laughs> chemistry, you know, uh, doesn't do things uh, for any reason. By, life does things because of natural selection, perhaps, or because of, you know, the way life works, and you can get evolution, but you can't get it started. And I started thinking about this years ago, uh, especially related to one of my interests, which is, you know, how, how the DNA works by coding the existence of proteins, which cause life. And, you know, uh, Stephen Meyer has written about this in Signature of the Cell, and he has, he, in his recent book, The Return of the God Hypothesis, he talks a little bit about it as well. But I was focusing on one specific aspect which is uh, critical to the origin of life, to the origin of evolution, and that is the accuracy of self-replication because nothing in the universe self-replicates accurately other than living cells. No chemical self-replicates. No machine self-replicates. Crystals don't self-replicate. Even DNA doesn't self-replicate. But a living cell can self-replicate can re- make copies of itself that are 99.9999% accurate. That's astonishing. How does that happen? It involves a tremendous number of really complex things, including the genetic code, including ribosomes and DNA, uh, uh, DNA replication and protein synthesis, uh, things that are just too complicated to describe without slides, and... <laughs> uh,
1: or without a, a <laughs> or without a semester of,
0: without bi- a semester of biology, yeah, or chemistry or whatever. So, if you if you if you have to have self replication in order to have evolution, how how do you get how do you get all this? How did that self replication get there? Yeah, it couldn't have evolved because there's no evolution, and that's what I've been studying and what I published on recently: uh, the fact that in fact as I assumed, uh, using various models that I'm not going to get into, that there are thresholds. And if you don't start out with a cell that already is pretty good at accurate self-replication, you can't do it. You'll never get living cells, and you'll never get evolution going. And as I say, that's been published in a theoretical journal.
1: Okay. So... You've got to get the cell first in order to get it up and going get and, get, and get any right. evolution. But right. then to get to that point, to get to the first cell, you need just too many things. Is that kind of the Yeah,
0: issue? You, need, you need too many things that are too difficult to explain through only chemical evolution. Hmm. So what, the, what is the,
1: the current, like, science scientific, uh, consensus? Is that, mm-hmm. What's the current scientific consensus about a biogenesis?
0: It depends who you talk to. If you talk to people who are not working in the field, many of them will say, "Oh yeah, we're getting there. We've got a lot, made a lot of progress. We know that amino acids, you know, were in meteors, so they probably, you know, developed uh, or formed in the primordial Earth. We know that uh, nucleotides can make long polymers with RNA. That, that, yeah, that's all true. But the people who are actually the the leaders in these fields, in this field." Uh, know the details, and the details are exactly what Jim Tour says. It doesn't happen. You don't get long polymers. You get short polymers. You don't get self-replication. You get annealing. You get junk rather than good stuff. Uh, That's what they know. And frankly, uh, I think many of them are getting discouraged. Uh, It looks like uh, not a lot of progress has been made. Mm -hmm. In fact, very little. And the numbers of problems just keep expanding, so. Uh, so the
1: the alternative that mm-hmm. you arrived at was what?
0: Well, so I don't know. I didn't know uh, what I what I. I thought there was there's something missing, and this was the how this affected my journey to faith was that it it broke and helped break down this absolute certainty that everything is explainable. materialistic science okay but I didn't know what the answer was right (laughs) once I became a believer and I started thinking well God is the creator of the universe but I also said not just the universe he's also the creator of life and the creator of human beings all of which are not explainable by any other means so but how see that's my question because knowing that God did something to me is not enough. I want to know a little more details. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if I can. Ever, I don't know if anyone can ever learn that or understand that because we don't know how God works. You know, obviously. But I want to keep looking at it, and I want to keep you know investigating various hypotheses. I don't think we should stop doing scientific research on the issue, but I think we need to be open, and it may be that biology is at the same place that physics was before Einstein came up with relativity. They were kind of stuck. Mm -hmm. They had solved everything except this nasty thing called light, which nobody could understand. And when Einstein solved light through relativity, it changed physics forever. And it, it, it turned out physics was nowhere near complete. And now we're in a position where, you know, we have a huge amount of more knowledge which makes the physical picture of the universe totally different than we originally thought. And I think biology is in exactly the same place right now. We need to expand our tools. We need to include new concepts into our studies of biology. And I'm not only the only one saying this. There are even some non-theists who are saying this. And uh, one of those concepts may be teleology, purpose. Perhaps we need to put purpose back into scientific equations, which has been taken out of ever since Darwin. The whole idea of evolution is it's blind, right, the blind watchmaker. It has no direction, no purpose. Well, the direction we know is wrong. Simon Conway Morris has shown that uh, there is a direction in evolution. Uh, Through through, his amazing studies on the Burgess Shale and other things, he's... He has shown that there are constraints. Evolution doesn't do just anything. It does only certain things, and it does it over and over and over again. So there's a direction. There there are laws that seem to govern what actually can happen. It's not all random chance. We need to find out what those laws are, and we need to find out what they're about. And here's where I think philosophy becomes very important. Because scientists are not good at figuring out what, <laughs> what, you know, is the basis of science. Once they make a discovery and they find the law, fine, they can then write an equation and have it as a law. But oftentimes it, it takes some thought and some new approaches. I mean, Einstein had to use a whole different mathematical approach to get where he got. I think we're going to need to do the same thing. And I think that what we will find is that those new approaches, including something like teleology, are going to point even more than they do now to a divine being, a divine designer. So I want to kind of get an
1: overview of your your journey. So you encountered these different things in science, and uh, let's just get a a quick summary of those. So a biogenesis, quantum mechanics, Mm -hmm. was there anything else that really stuck out?
0: Well, the fine-tuning argument
1: fine-tuning argument? Okay.
0: Really, uh, I, I learned about that later, but yes, that was definitely another thing. So those
1: piece. were some of the, sci- was there anything else scientifically that?
0: Well, there's actually a lot of other things. That, that some of them are not very well known, but uh, just the idea that there's a lot in physics that is not known and is very surprising, and physicists themselves, or some of them, are getting a little nervous because it looks like the CERN, for example, the CERN uh, collider has not given the results that people are hoping for. A lot of theories have been thrown out. I can't go into the details because mm-hmm. I'm not a physicist and, uh, you know, uh, uh, this is just from what I'm reading. So, And, and there are other parts of biology that uh, are incredibly suggestive of something way beyond anything we can understand, including consciousness including human behavior. I mean the idea that evolution that, you know Darwinian evolution by natural selection explains why you know we are we have morality or explains why we're creative or we love music. that's just nonsense. That's not even scientific. <laughs> those are stories, okay? Uh, So what makes us human? What does it mean to be in the image of God? Well, we we have a sense, right? Everybody has a sense that human beings are not just animals who are smart. Uh, Some people deny that, and I have never, even as an atheist, I never went along with that view. I always knew that human beings were somehow special, very special. I didn't know why. I didn't know where it came from, but now i think i do
1: so then uh, that, that was kind of a summary of the the science that kind of led you toward theism but then what about what was like i know you mentioned like there were several different experiences that you had at church and dreams and everything what was one that really stuck out to you that really contributed to your eventual accepting christianity is true
0: well i can <clears throat> i can t- i can tell you about uh, one of the dreams which there were two main ones that I believe involved intercession from the spirit.
1: Were you at this time were you like really investigating okay. were you reading scripture a lot were no, you praying the, at the all? No. The first one
0: the first one uh I wasn't even thinking about Christianity or belief. I was an agnostic. I didn't know what was going on. Okay. And I didn't understand the dream at all when I had it. And it was a very frightening dream because I, I don't like heights. <laughs> and I was hanging from the edge of a cliff, uh, terrified. I didn't know what to do. And I couldn't climb up. I was holding on with my hands. And I screamed out, help, help. I didn't know who I was calling to. I just said, help, help. And I heard a voice say, just let go. And I said, what? what? I fall down. And the voice said, just let go. So I finally said, well, okay." So I I let go. And the moment I let go, the entire landscape turned 90 degrees. And instead of hanging from a cliff, I was lying on the ground. And there was a man whose voice, voice I had heard standing there. That was the man who said, just let go. I woke up and I was like, whoa, (laughs) what was that? I didn't know what he meant by just let go. I didn't know who it was. And then eventually, of course, um, I found out that, of course, the man was Jesus Christ and what I had to let go of was all the baggage that was in my life that was preventing me Absolutely blocking me from even considering the idea of a god, and I eventually I did let go of all of that.
1: Wow, that's crazy. Was there another one? You you mentioned the other was one, one that was, was low, later,
0: later, and the other one, <laughs> the other one was I was already thinking about maybe believing in something. Uh, I don't remember exactly where I was, but I, what I do know is I had never been to a church yet. Uh, other than that one Catholic church, I might have been there already, but I had never. What were they
1: wearing, the Franciscans? Was
0: it were they like oh, brown robes? robes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That freaked me out a little. Wasn't bit. that
1: cool though? It was kind it of. It was cool. cool.
0: It was cool. They were very cool people. They were really <laughs> nice. Uh, like yeah. the little rope. Yeah, little rope. Yeah, I thought that was weird. <laughs> did they did they like shave their heads? Or I anything? don't remember that. They, they might were. have. Yeah, I don't remember.
1: Catholics, uh, man, Catholics. Yeah, well. <laughs> So, uh, that's another story. Yeah. So tell me, uh, tell me about the. So, experience. so I
0: had, and I had <laughs> not read, I had not yet read the gospel. That's definite. Uh, so I had a dream that I was walking around the garden, trying to get in a walled garden, and I couldn't get in. I, I it was very steep walls, and I was kept trying to climb up, and I, hmm. I found vines and little things that, but I couldn't get to the top, and I got really frustrated, and I kept going around and I, and then I saw a man and, and he said what's the matter with you and I said I, I want to get in and I can't climb over he said well then use the door there it is so I walked in opened the door and walked in and there was the garden and <laughs> later when I was in church I, I think the first time I went to the church I'm now a member of there was a picture of Jesus knocking on the door, but I had never heard that knock on the door, and it, you know, if you knock, it will be open for you. That was mm-hmm. I had yet to re- read that, but I dreamed it. <laughs> so that that had a big effect on me, <laughs> as wow. you can see.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm like about to start turning up myself. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a, there's a whole lot more for us to, to cover in this short interview. But, is, yeah, is there, is there anything that you'd like to leave with the audience before we close it out?
0: Yeah, I, I think I have one main message. I think I, I think I was called, as so many of us are called, to give one message to people who are questioning their faith, especially if they're questioning it because of science. <clears throat> and that's the reason I wrote my book. It's the reason I'm writing, <clears throat> excuse me, articles. Science and Christian faith are absolutely not in conflict. I understand that people growing up in faith occasionally <clears throat> will uh, will lose it for various reasons, but one of those reasons should never be science. Okay, because science is not anti-Christian. Science is not atheistic. Christianity. Uh, was instrumental in the foundation of science, in the beginning of science. All the original scientists were were uh, Christians, and that remains. There's still many, many scientists who are Christians despite the current atmosphere, which is somewhat hostile to Christianity. But... Uh, my prediction is what I see now happening is that atheists are beginning to deny the reality of science. You find atheists saying, no, no, the universe didn't have a beginning. It's been there forever. No. They say the DNA is not a code. There's no genetic code. It's not a real code. Wrong. And the reason, these are not scientists necessarily, but they're atheists who think they they are he- seeing this from various people. And the reason they're attacking scientific facts because they, they are is because the scientific facts are pointing more and more to what they don't want to accept which is that this world has a creator and everything we see is is part of the creation including ourselves so if you are being told that you have to choose between science and your Christian faith reject that. Whoever told you that is wrong. It's not true. What's true is Christianity.